Restaurant Unstoppable episode 983 with Tia Clark. And one of the meetings was a guy asking me about my reviews because my reviews were very long. Like they were like really novels that people were writing early on in Airbnb. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know Scott from Minnesota. Like I just took that guy crabbing and they were like, how did you get this guy to leave this review? They were really saying like, how did you get these reviews? Cause we tell us so we can tell, help other hosts to be successful. Hey man, I've never even said reviews to people. Like I have no idea. Like I did not know that that's what was happening. Like that was me in San Francisco responding to them like in their headquarters. I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't answer that question. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by One Huddle, a coaching and development platform using quick burst mobile games to more quickly and effectively level up and fire up your workforce. With One Huddle, you can onboard new employees up to 45% faster. There was actually a study done by the University of South Florida that has proven that you can train your employees 45% faster. This just isn't fluff. This is real stuff. One Huddle, this new and improved way to educate your staff will train translate into increased sales because you're creating more consistency with the guest experience in both front of house and back of house, i.e. menu development, just learning the menu, POS, limited time offers, food costs, things like this. To learn more, head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. That's the number one in huddle like a football huddle. And when you use that link, you can get access to one huddles game shop, 3000 plus on demand skill games on everything from bartending to serve safe to the latest Amazon best-selling books, and so much more. One more time, restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. This episode is brought to you by Ovation. Creating a great guest experience is the goal of every restaurant every time, but the ways to find out what's actually happening with your guests are terrible. That's where Ovation comes in. Ovation gets happy guests to leave you positive reviews and unhappy guests to share what happened. And it gives you specific ideas to improve. Ovation, it's frictionless for your guests, easy for your managers, and powerful for you. If you're interested in actionable guest feedback, visit OvationUp.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable listeners get $100 off their setup fee. What are you waiting for? That's OvationUp.com. Up.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60 day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit. Profit, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP.
With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, owner and head crabber at Casual Crabbing, Tia Clark. Tia, are you feeling unstoppable today? Oh, I'm unstoppable every day. Awesome. I'm super excited today for today's conversation. Uh, you came on my radar by way of Brooks Tanner, a dude who I have a lot of respect for, um, brother from a different mother. Uh, love this guy and he has such, such great things to say about you and what you're doing every time i mention who i'm talking to in town i mentioned tia clark and everyone's like she's awesome oh, she's serious? the best That's awesome. so i know we're in for a treat i have no idea what we're going to discuss but i'm excited to get into it but before we do let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us uh, um i'm gonna say work for joy and not money. Mm, work for joy and not money. Dive into that. Is this is this a, like the the a good representation of what's going on in your life right now? Absolutely. This, I'm having the best time in my life right now, and it's the first time that I've not been working for money. Is it hard to work for joy in the beginning? When absolutely, when, you have yeah. to be <laughs> absolutely. You're the most. I mean, it's the most vulnerable you probably will ever feel. Because you start into it and you want, like, think about it. You get your first job. Like, most people's first job is, like, at a fast food place or something. But you're working for money to get something that you want. Yeah. So that's always in your head when you're working. Yeah. I'm going to pull some layers back on that as the interview unpackages. But where does it make sense to start sharing your story? How long have you been doing this? Um, the business. I've been doing the crab business since 2017. Okay. Um, but it's funny that I'm on a podcast called Restaurant Unstoppable because I was in the food and beverage industry oh, awesome. for 20 years. I was so, curious. Beautiful. Yeah, no, nice. I mean, somebody just told me recently that it's a culture, you know, like it doesn't matter if you own a restaurant or if you're actually working at one now, it's always inside me. What were you doing in the restaurant industry? You name it. I mean, my first job was at 17 and I was washing dishes. And that's how I started. Yeah. yeah. I went from washing dishes to like salad prep to line every now and then. And then from that, like I was a full on like in the kitchen all the time. Nice. And I actually moved to New Orleans for a few years and I was cooking the whole time that I was there. That okay. was part of the time when I was in back of house. And then I came back right before Katrina and then I moved in the front of house and started serving. And the last things that I was doing was bartending and helping to manage and run bars. So when were you crab? Was crabbing something that you always did on the side like growing up or Absolutely did that you not. found? Okay. You found it later in life. I, I'm going to say it found me later. In so life. I know you started your business in 2017, but I was curious if you were having crabbing as like a hobby your entire life. No, never. No. Um, I went crabbing. I'm 43. I went crabbing when I was 37. I'm always afraid to ask. Some guests don't like to, to date themselves. <laughs> well, you, you're smart, especially with women. You should never. You, that's uh, usually, good, usually, some way I figure it out. I'm like, when did you start? How old were you when you started? And oh, I do the reverse engineering. I'm I like, don't, okay. I don't mind. I'm I'm 43. Yeah. Uh, 43, and I went crabbing when I was 37. So I caught my you're first. You're my age crab. when you started crabbing. Yeah. Um, and that's because like, it was all because of a health journey. Like, okay. so, you know, if we really want to get into it, we can get into, get into like, it. That's what we're here. Right, well, let's let's pull back it. some layers. Well, good. Cause I always tell this story, but I always just tell like why, why I started crabbing. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really start crabbing. Like someone took me crabbing. Okay. I didn't say, Hey, here's, here's this thing I want to do. Was that in 2017 as well? Um, or before this, that was, yeah, actually it was. It was early 2017. Okay, wow. So you went from never actually, crabbing to making a career out of it in less than a year. Yeah. That's impressive. Talk about yeah. jumping off the cliff and just taking a risk and well, going for it. I I went crabbing. Well, I'll take that back. So I went crabbing. 
and then people wanted to come crabbing with me. Okay. And I did not let people come crabbing with me. <laughs> Why not? For close to a year. Because, I mean. Those are I worked, spots. I'm sorry. Did you say you worked in food and beverage? Do you know anybody in food and beverage? Do you just, does anybody in food and beverage just invite strangers in, right? Right. No. Being in bars and being in that industry, like, you're not not welcoming strangers in, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, I got to deal with you guys. I know what this is like. Yeah. But I was doing this something This is for fun. me, not you. That's exactly. <laughs> I was, let's just say I was being real stingy in the yeah. beginning, you know? Like, I really was like, this is all for me. And that was all just based off of what I knew about people. I had all these walls up, like, my whole life. Like, I had walls up that I was keeping people out. And, I mean, like, I had a dog. And my mom used to call that dog her grand dog because mm-hmm. she knew, like, I used to say it's me and this dog. When this, when this dog's gone, it's just me. Like, and then my wife came along and changed all that. But, you know, that's I really, like, was trying to keep everybody out from, yeah. like, the way that I presented myself. Like, I never really held my head up a lot. Like, I was real. I had a, I had a dark cloud on me. I'll just say that, you know. I mean, I'm willing to talk about it, but I also don't need to pull back those layers. If you're oh, no. Not. No, I'm going to get into it. Let's get you. into it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it. So, like... I was in food and beverage, and I lived the typical, stereotypical food and beverage life. Mm -hmm. Work all night, drink all night, sleep all day, like just the typical. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat, (laughs) and right back in. And I just, I really did not care about what was going on with me. Like, let's just say I put, I'm a hard worker, so like, I will work my shift. If anybody didn't want to work, I'm going to work their shift too. You know, like I'll work everybody's shift. If y'all don't want to come to work, guess what? I'm going to cover the shift because yeah. the job's going to get done. And that's just always been my mentality. But that's to a fault because anything that was wrong with me, I always put on the back burner. And I almost like worked myself almost into that bad health that I was in. Yeah. The, the industry is really <laughs> guilty of doing this. You know, we're, we're, I think collectively the industry does this. We're always putting it, we're always, we're, we're full of people who are generous. The industry is packed full of people who are generous. And collectively, I think the industry suffers because yeah. we, we are constantly putting the guests first. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people don't want to work in this industry because we, we've literally backed ourselves into a corner where we just give, 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 and there's nothing left over for the people who work in the industry. Yeah. Like for myself. Like, yeah. I mean, it's as simple as like, you know, going outside or like, I mean, like I would not even open the blinds. Like I remember like living where the house that I was in before we live now with my wife. And I remember like her being like, I come in from work and you're, you got all the blinds drawn. Mm-hmm. You're just sitting on the couch, like watching TV, doing whatever you're doing. But it's like, there's a beautiful bright day going on yeah. outside. And I'm just like waiting yeah. to go to work when it's dark and then put myself back in this dark building and like expect, you know, I was actually at that point, I wasn't expecting to be happy. Like right. I was just going through, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, but also like, I mean, I didn't graduate from college. Like, I didn't have a college degree. This is what I know that I'm going to do to provide for me and my family yeah. comfortably, yeah. you know? And you're making me think, too. We, we give, 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 give to the, our careers and the people that we serve in our careers. Uh, and we we personally sacrifice. We don't get, like you're, like you're pointing out, you weren't taking care of yourself. But we also neglect the people we love. Yeah. Your wife. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. she sees you out there giving, giving, giving. You come home. What about me? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. where's mine? Yeah. You know? And I'm drawing the blinds. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you want to come sit over here with me? Like, I don't want to go do nothing, you know? Which is funny because it's like almost reversed down, you know? Like, I'm like, 
all I want to do is be outside. Yeah, like, you can't get me. If you put me inside something with no windows, and I'm probably going to freak out and like my anxiety probably is going to go through the roof. I'm going to notice it now. Yeah. I you mean, know? you talk to most people, they'll tell you their priorities are, you know, usually religion and fa- like family, you know, and then career. But in the hospitality industry, it's always career first and then whatever's left over, is. you know, because that's how you're making a living. I mean, like, yeah. that's my whole thing. Like, that's that. But that also like. You know, I have my mom and my grandma, like, they're, like, the hardest working women that I've ever seen in my entire life. So, you know, those were my examples. So to see them always work so hard, like, I knew I was going to work hard. But then also when I put those walls up, I had to work even harder because my walls were, like, to keep everybody out. Well, if it's just me, guess what? Yeah, you got to do all I the work. I want to talk about these walls a little bit more. So <laughs> the, these walls were, what like, paint the picture of what these walls were doing a little bit further. Like, what were you block like, what? Why, why, why were you afraid to let people in? Was it just bandwidth? I wasn't afraid to. I feel like people had already revealed themselves to me in a lot of different ways at a real young age. And like up to a certain point, I was like, why make myself vulnerable to be in any kind of situation close to what I see or what I have to go through? You know, like I wanted to. <clears throat> I actually don't know if I understand. I'm sorry. All right. I just, I would, let's just say I'm I was pushing put, you let, early. No, in this conversation. it's not even pushing early. I'm trying to figure out how to word it because really it was just that I was trying to protect myself always what? constantly. What were you afraid of? Well, I mean, I have everything and everybody, like I'm not going to let some stranger come hurt me. You know, like I have my were mom you hurt early. Did there, was there a traumatic moment <clears throat> where you just lost trust in people? Um, well, I had some sexual abuse when I was younger. Okay. I, I dealt with that. But that even that wasn't even like the whole thing that made me like shut people out, you know, like that wasn't even like the one identifying thing that did it, you know, like, I guess I'm not saying everybody has it, but, you know, it's just a really common thing that happens. But when you deal with a lot of hurt and a lot of failure, like I had a lot of rejection, like I didn't have any relationship with my father, like that was a big deal for me, you know, like that was a big deal for me. And I actually describe that in a way to myself that I just realized recently with talking to my mom within the past few years that I was so wrong. Like what I told myself about it coming up was so wrong, but, um, but it's clarified now. We're here. The mission statement of restaurant unstoppable is to inspire, empower and transform the industry. And what you're getting into right now, I think is the transformative part. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who are in this industry. A lot of people don't have the choice, but to be in this industry for a lot of people, this is the only opportunity that they can get because of whatever upbringing they had, or, you know, maybe they didn't get the same privilege as some other people. So that start from a lower place and work their ways up. Right. So I think there's, there's a lot of just, educating of people of, of, of how, what you deserve as a person. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, like you said, you were, you had walls up, you were hurt early, yeah. you know? Well, I and- mean, I think with the abuse, I think the fact that I always just felt rejected because I didn't have, you know, like that father that like my dad, yeah. like my sister and my brother, they had the same dad. Like, you know, like it was just always like this thing. And it was even deeper than that because he actually lived like really close oh, to where really? I grew up Yeah, and like had his own family. And like, there were times like, seriously, if we were going to get into, there's times where I remember like driving down the street and kind of seeing parts of him. Oh man. That's just so rough as a young person. And then like, but knowing that like, I could never go and like meet him, you know, yeah. like, having all of this 
this kind of disconnect for me. I don't know. It was just something for me that made it. Well, I think a, a young person, and I don't want to tell your story or make yeah. assumptions, but empathizing with that, me being in that position, if I saw my dad and I didn't have a relationship with him, <laughs> I'd be thinking to myself, like, what did I do wrong? Why don't you want me? What's wrong with me? You know, yeah. I don't know if that, again, I don't want to fill in the, the Well, way. it wasn't even that. Because I think, like, at some point he knew about me. It was a little deeper than that. But then it was like... It was like, so oh, here's this thing, right? Here's yeah. this thing that I want so bad. And then I would get like the setup and then the failure of it after yeah. that because he knew parts of my family. There were times where like they would be like, he's going to come see you today. Oh. And so then I would be all excited. And then you get let down again. Nobody would be there. Yeah. Nobody would be there, you know. My mom's irate <laughs> that right. I'm even put in this situation. And so there would be, like, all these little things. And, like, I remember him. Like, he died, I think, like, six years ago, maybe, like, five or six years ago. And, like, um, I remember my mom, like, just calling and telling me. And I just thought. And instantly, you know, what I thought was, man, I'm never going to see his face. Right. Like, that's what I thought was, mm-hmm. like, I'm never going to see his face. And then that goes even crazier where, like, I was trying to look for pictures and, like, asking people to look for pictures and they found a picture and I swear to you it's the side of his face. <laughs> That's funny. I'm like, damn it. But now, now it's just a joke, you know? Now it's like, oh, like, <laughs> now, now it's like just kind of like this laughable thing it's like that I won't have. But then I question myself. I'm like, well, why the hell do I even need that? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. then you ask yourself like, why the hell are you chasing this thing that you might not even, right. like, what, do, what do I need it? Why but do it, I even need that? It sounds like you, you were disappointed a lot. You, you were hurt yes. early in life and because of that you put up you, you got defensive. You put up walls because you didn't want to get hurt again. Yeah, I knew if I controlled my environment, then I can control the hurt. I can yeah. control, you know, the letdown. I yeah. can control everything about it. Yeah. And the thing about that was I wasn't in control of any of those situations. Right. None of it. I was a kid. I couldn't make any decisions. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the point I was trying to make earlier with the whole transformative thing is there's a lot of people that could – you're an example for a lot of people right now who might have been hurt, who might have, who might be closing themselves off out of fear of being hurt again. And you're living proof that if you break down those walls and if you let people in, you know, it can transform your life. Yeah, it can have a really positive You change your impact. environment because I'm telling you, your environment is so, excuse my French, but so damn important. Like you can say a lot worse I'm than that on the show. Well, I know I told, <laughs> I told Brooks that you and I, we were going to have a competition to see who could say fuck the most. <laughs> All right. Challenge <laughs> he laughs pretty, pretty good on that. Um, no, I, um, I really feel like, like even for instance, in the bar business, like I didn't even get, I haven't got into really even kind of like the meat of it yet with you. But like when I was in that world, like I thought this is it. Like this is all that I'm going to do. This is going to be a big part of the story. Wow. Is that the OG belt <laughs> right there? The what are you looking at? Like, <laughs> did you, you lose hundreds of pounds or something? Yes, I did. Wow. Yes, I did. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, I did. You said hundreds. It, it's so <laughs> this belt this is belt. at least two feet long. I'm not exaggerating. Well, if, I'm, I'm serious. It's crazy. When I say the belt is two feet long, I'm saying the part that ha- is beyond the, the, the whatever the the yeah. The belt is around Tia's waist, and what's left over is two feet long. Yeah, like uh, so. Watch the ca- watch the video portion of this if you want. So to this is January 2017. Wow, right there. 
There's some of the dates you can still. Oh, see you put them. the dates on them. Well, I didn't. That's May. So, so this is January to May, just in twenty. So what's happening right now? If you're if you're listening to this podcast and not watching it, uh, Tia uh, took her belt out from away around her waist, and and she's holding it. It's about two feet long, uh, and it's the weight she's lost since 2017. And this this that's that's inspirational right there way it's, to go it, well those notches were made by like one of my bar patrons okay so, like this all happened when i was still behind the bar oh, um wow. so you know we kind of got out of it a little bit yeah. there with everything but you know um the the everything that i did in food and beverage is what is making this experience what it is. It's what's making this business so successful. No chance. That everything you be. did in food and beverage is why this business is successful. But what every, do you mean everything you think you did? Like what? Every skill I gathered while I was there, every job I had, every leadership position, everything that I learned from being in the food and beverage industry, from washing dishes all the way to managing, is why this crabbing business is as successful as, as it is. When I was behind the bar at like the end of my bartending career, with confidence, I could tell you within the first five, probably less than 10 minutes of a patron of if I was going to have to kick them out, call the police. I knew exactly how my day was going to go. Any personality, any age, doesn't matter. And that's what this thing is now that we're doing kind of on the dock. Like, you know, we have over 600 five-star reviews, never had a bad time with from thousands and thousands of guests that have come out on that dock crabbing. And I know that if I just had a regular job working, say I just worked a cash register and talked to people for like two seconds and never really got to know them, like that wouldn't have given me the skill that I got from knowing people and building relationships with the people in the communities and these restaurants and these bars that I worked in. I mean, and it's carried on with me. Even this belt that I just showed you, every one of those notches was a patron named George. George used to come in in the evenings. Like, I can tell you stuff about his life. Like, I didn't just feel like I was just serving drinks in those places. I felt like I was really a part of the community. They weren't just, like, big-name places. They were small places that were always community-driven, you know? And I just... I love that, and I respect that so much about the restaurant industry. So, yeah, it worked me hard, you know, and put me where I was. But it's funny because I credit everything I kind of got now and my skills and how I can build this business. Like, what do I know about running a business, right? Well, we're going to get into that. <laughs> what do I know about running a business? Yeah. And the, well, I started running other people's businesses. Exactly. That's how you learn it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, before we start uh, talking about your business today, what were the, if you can make a list of three or four things that you learned running other people's businesses that you are applying to your business today, what would those be? Um, treat the people that are working with you like humans. Okay. That's a good, um, that's a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> treat them like humans. I yeah. got a compliment recently from one of my crew members that was like, thank you so much because they had to like take off to take their kid to the doctor. And I was like, yes, please take your kid to the doctor. Let me know how yeah, it goes. That was going to be my follow-up question. Like <laughs> it seems obvious. Like when you say you treat people like humans, but what does what that is, look like? That's yeah. the example of it. It's yeah. like, you know, if somebody is like, Hey, my kid's sick and I can't come to work. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Your child takes like, priority. Yes. Like I'm going to say my response there is, absolutely take your kid to the doctor like yeah. please reach out to me let me know if there's something i can do and i seriously am confused because this the reason i'm saying this is because 
that situation happened and then they called and thanked me afterwards and yeah. i was like why are you thanking me like and i was confused like what is the other response that you got there that you're thanking me now that exactly. that was it what yeah. is the other response i mean there is no there shouldn't be i mean the other one is that you, do you want your job tomorrow i guess is the response some people get which is hey. probably a big reason why people don't you know, put themselves first and they put their careers first and they uh, neglect their relationships because they're afraid of losing their job. Yeah, know? well, that's why I want to do this different. I want to form a crew and make like a crew and a family of people, not just kind of like have people working under me, you know, yeah. like because I want them. I've never thought I never in my life thought I'd be in the situation that I'm in right now. And so I'm building a crew of people that I want to take and share this experience with. You know, like I'm not like just people that are dragging along and doing it like here is this world that we're going to build for all of us to live in together yeah. in a good way. Yeah. So that's one. Treat people like human beings. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one. Treat people like human beings. Um, be passionate. Love what you are doing. I mean, golly, if you love what you are doing, you don't even have to sell it. Yeah. What, what is it about crabbing that you love so much? It's not even really just crabbing. It's being out on the water. It's watching people crab. It's watching people make a connection with the water. Mm. That moves me. Like, because I tried to keep that to myself. And then I started sharing it and realizing, oh, shit, this is really good with other people. <laughs> you know, like, you can crab every day. Yeah, I can crab every single day. But I crab every day with different people that I've never met before. Mm. And that right there is like the good stuff because it's not really even just about crabbing when we get into what we're doing we are building like stewards like i mean people are going nutty i mean you got adults acting like kids that must be kids fun. being kids yeah you know everything being free like we just created this environment like that's what i'm telling you yeah. there's power in the environment if you think yeah if you think about like humans over time like this is this is what we're built to do to go out and forage and to to be a part of nature and to go pull our food out of the earth mm -hmm. you know it's uh, our resource it's ours it's yeah. right there like we have a right to it we have a right to it but there's something primal about that reconnecting with going out with the tribe of people and dude, just doing what we do i lost my mind eric i'm telling you like after that first time like i was like this is what has been missing mm -hmm. like you know my first time crabbing is also the first time that I ever caught and prepared my own food. Wow. As a professional cook at one point in your life, right? I never caught and prepared my own food. How before. crazy is that? <laughs> For me, it's nutty because now that's all I want to do, you know? But like, there's such a disconnect between our food and where it comes from yeah. and what we do. Like, I didn't care about what I was eating. I didn't care about what I was drinking. Like, in my younger days, I did, like, hard drugs. Like, I mean, I really did not care. Yeah. Like, I would do... Well, you're invincible I would when you're do, younger. Everybody yeah, everybody is, like, right? You're like, what? What kind of Until drug? Until it catches Give it up to, to you. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. Yeah. And, and it really did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now it's... <laughs> Man, it's just like so good. You're like, yeah. why do I like to watch people crab? I'm like, I want to watch. I want to take every person I can crab. Yeah. So the, the first one, treat people like a human. Second one, love what you're doing. Love what you're doing. Yes. Passion for the work you're doing. Passion. I think I asked for three or four. So let's you asked get for, one more. You asked for, yeah, you asked for three. So treat people good. Have your passion. <laughs> and really, I mean, it's it's simple. Just be a good human being. Yeah. Like, I mean, that is it really is the simplest thing treat people the way you want to be treated business is literally about relationships it's one of the biggest things is just managing relationships yeah. yeah it's all it is it's in the word company it's, 
It's company. <laughs> it's the people you surround yourself with. Um, and I think we, we disconnect with that sometimes. We, we think it's about transactions and, and being. Dude, we know, get into work. It's yeah. like that gets you into the cycle. You yeah. know, that's why I like that every day I go crabbing, right? I set up the same baskets. Yeah. Different people come every day and the experience is different every day. Yeah. Every day. I think now is a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. And we're going to be back to talk about how you built your business and what you're doing and what you, what advice you have for others who want to kind of follow in your footsteps. Maybe yeah. not crabbing in Charleston. We don't want to create competition, but maybe someplace else. <laughs> come, come on. I'll bring it. All right. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP. We are back. And now I really just want to dive into like the empowerment part. If you're listening to this and you're in the restaurant industry, I think that there's just so much opportunity adjacent to the restaurant industry uh, for passion to be served. Like there's just, there's not, there's just so much opportunity that the restaurant industry spins out of it. And I don't, I know you're not like going out and crabbing and like providing, uh, you're not catching crabs and selling them to restaurants, right? No, you're not, you're not no. doing that. But if you have a passion for food and, and entertaining people and you know, the, the power that food has over people, uh, there's ways to make money that aren't working in restaurants. Absolutely. Right. Um, so I want to get into that. So like, when did the idea of starting your own business come? pop into your head like when when did you start thinking like this that's a good question i didn't so that'd be a good time for me to get into the belt because the belt is what led me to crabbing so um how much did you weigh do you mind me asking you at one point at one point the highest that i remember was just over 300 pounds wow i would have never guessed yeah no i've got pictures i show people and they honestly they're like there's no chance that that was you and i'm like it was me uh my paint my waist my pant size was 48 inches is what yeah it was pretty crazy so you kind of just painted the picture is that have influence on why you started crabbing it was no so well kind of sort of so you know yes i was like i was just being unhealthy i mean i really was just like 
at this point to where I was just like, man, is this really just like it, you know? Like, and then I started just feeling like aches, pains, tired all the time, really just slow, not wanting to, just no energy. You know, my energy sucked. I didn't want to do anything. And um, I said, I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes because I smoked cigarettes the entire time I was in food and beverage for just over 20 years. It's the only way you can get a break. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the last bar that I worked at, it's so funny. I tried to quit smoking so many times throughout those 20 years. The last bar that I worked at, we act, the owner smoked and you had the option to make your bar smoke free. And so we were like begging, like, let's go smoke free. <laughs> let's let's go. And I, I tried before then. But it's like standing inside of an ashtray and trying to quit smoking cigarettes right. with people smoking all around you. It was just difficult. Yeah. But when he agreed and that bar went smoke free, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do This is my chance. I'm going to try. And my birthday was coming up. And I was like. About to turn 37? I, I was about to turn 37. No, my 36, actually. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to quit smoking. September uh, 2016. And I was like, I'm going to quit. And then I was like, well, I'm definitely not quitting on my birthday. Like, I'm not going to be crazy, you know, like <laughs> we're still going to go out drinking and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I'm let's just be if I really want to do it. I actually downloaded an app and the app was super cool. The app was like, choose what day you want to quit. And so leading up to it, the app was like, guess what's happening in a week? You know, like five days, we're about to make this change. And it was like getting you pumped up yeah. for this thing. And so I downloaded the app and I was doing it and, uh, Six days after my birthday, so September 19th in 2016, I quit. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm doing it. You know, like I was so pumped when I went into this thing. And then we went on this cruise. Me and my wife, we got in the hot tub. And it's like after we got out, I was like, oh, my God, I'm covered in hives. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I'm breaking out. Like, what's happening? Like, I was thinking, oh, it's this hot tub, like some kind of reaction, you know, like. So I start, we get off the cruise and I'm like still covered in hives and just feeling bad. And I was like, I'm going to go to the hospital. So I go to the hospital because my right hand kept getting so big. When I say my hand was swelling up, it was like some, like somebody injecting it. I, I keep joking saying it was like hamburger helper. Oh, but man. the thing was like <laughs> just my right hand kept like swelling oh, up, man. getting so inflamed. And it was like stiff and I couldn't quite close my fingers. And I was just like, what the heck's happening? And so I go to the hospital and they would give me steroids. They would just be like, take your pants down. I take my pants down and shoot me right in the butt. Give me the damn steroids. But seriously, it was like somebody dumping a bucket on a fire, you know, in a raging fire. Like I was just like, oh, like deep breath, like sigh of relief. Like I can breathe finally. And then I would go to bed and I would wake up. And I just remember sitting on the end of the bed for a minute. And I would always just like stop. And I'd be like looking at my arms, waiting to see if I could feel anything. And it'd be like. God, back. Like I knew it was back. And it was this was so after weird. you quit. This was after I quit smoking cigarettes. Now this, this is so crazy, right? Because I went in the hot tub and I thought that that was what was going on. Yeah. Well, I go to the hospital. I end up having going back to the hospital about three different times within two weeks. Did they ever diagnose you? No, in the hospital, they just give you steroids. Hmm. You know, they're like, what's going on? You know, it's the ER. They're like, what? You're breaking out in hives? Here's some steroids, you know? So the third time, I'm telling you, it was like the worst that I felt. I was like, how far after, uh, long after, was the third time after the first time? So I think that cruise was November. So it was about three months from when I quit smoking to when I started seeing my first kind of reaction. Okay. 
And, but I didn't, or I say two, two and a half months before I saw that first reaction of anything, which was the hives, which was my, now I know now is my body trying to give me signs that something was going on. And you weren't getting the nicotine. I think I, that's what I thought. Right. Okay. All right. So I, after the third time now, the third time is the worst outbreak. And I go to this hospital and I'm telling you, dude, I'm like speeding one hand getting there and I'm like almost undoing my bell (laughs) by the time they call my name, you know, (laughs) and they were like, whoa, whoa. They were like, um, we can't give you any more steroids. And I'm telling you, like, I like, burst into tears i was like angry i was like what do you mean because i knew that this was the only place that i was going to get some relief yeah and they were like we can refer you to national allergy they referred me there national allergy was like go cover stuff in your house with hypoallergenic stuff go take zyrtec like all these different things for about a month process of elimination they just had me trying but they I never, the hives never stop. So they can never actually do like an allergy test because your system has to calm down before Got they it. can do that. Yeah. And so they can never actually do like an allergy test. And so they were just like giving me things to try to help to me because I'm freaking it. out. Yeah. You know, like every time I'm in there, I'm like, I need help. You know, yeah. like somebody's got to help me. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, like when I tried to kick, like when I tried to kick junk and I was in New Orleans, I remember like I had this job and. This is, I'm all, it's so funny because I'm like such a control freak. <laughs> like the reason I quit smoking cigarettes, right? I tried to quit smoking for 20 years. And the reason I actually quit smoking is because I was having a conversation with somebody and I was talking all not just casually like, oh, well, I've only been smoking for something. And then I just kind of like stopped and realized that my birthday was going to be 20 years. And I was like, you're an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> you're paying to kill for yourself 20 for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you're an idiot. And like, <laughs> like seriously, that is what happened. Like I was like, I spent so much money on things before then, but just that in my brain. But when I was sick trying to kick drugs in New Orleans, like I remember feeling so bad one day, like I had to call in to work and I was laying on my stomach and it felt like somebody had their hands like in the back of my calves and they was just like tightening mm. like every muscle. And I remember just like being in this pain, this agony. And I felt, I thought, that was the worst I ever felt. <laughs> and I remember looking at my wife and I said, this is the worst that I've ever felt in my life because it was just going on for yeah. so long and there was nothing I could do to get any relief. And so then finally the lady at National Allergy tells me to go see a holistic lady who she was friends with. She sends me to this lady. This lady is like, I want you to um, go get labs. So I went and got labs and came back because I went in there and I'm like, I'm going to die like, I'm not going to live like this. If you, This is the last doctor that I'm planning on going to. So if you guys don't figure this out, I'm going to exit stage right like that. Like I yeah. was, And I mean, like, not kind of joking like that, but I was serious about, like, this was the end for me. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I can't go on like this. Like, when my hand was swollen, That's I still scary. had to work. Yeah. Like, I worked four yeah. days a week. I made more money at that time than my wife that was working for the state for over a decade. So if I was at work... I was working with one hand, putting beer bottles under my arm and taking my bar tool and open it and taking money. And I was one hand working, you know, like yeah. still like it's not like I could just stop working just because I wasn't feeling good. You know? Yeah, this, the suspense is killing me. What was this it? Is <laughs> <laughs> well, after I get the labs and I go back, this lady's sitting in front of me and she's like, oh, Tia, you're premenopausal. Your hormones are out of whack. And she's like, oh, yeah, I think you have an auto. She says they can connect the dots now that there's an autoimmune blocker in cigarettes. So for 20 years, my body has been trying to give me signals about having an autoimmune deficiency um, and that I can't get any of those signs because every day I would wake up and I would blame the way that I felt on one too many shots. 
or one too many cigarettes. And then I eliminated the alcohol and cigarettes and I was still having that going on with me. So then they could actually start figuring out that like, oh, I had a little bit, I can't have too many nuts in one day or like, it was all my hormones and other stuff that was going on with me. But I was also at the weight that I was at almost 40, I was on the edge of diabetes. I was on the edge of, and being a black woman, I was on the edge of all this stuff. Now and I'm not though, you know, like it started with the elimination diet and then she went to gut treatment where we did like the microbiome diet and then when I started feeling better like I went to this woman and she put me on that elimination diet in the hive stop and she was like you're doing good now I want you to find a way to get active for 30 minutes a day mm. and I was like you're crazy I'm going, <laughs> I did later. I literally was like okay perfect what do you want me to do and we left and I remember being like I'm not doing any of that as soon as we left that appointment and I like went back to work and just started doing what I was doing and then um, not sh- not long after that one of my cousins got married and then so my family's big. You know, I didn't go into like my roots. I'll go back into that in a minute. But like my family is large yeah. <laughs> and my roots are in downtown Charleston. And so I we had a family wedding. And so everybody was there. And my cousin was like, you look good. Because at this point, I'm starting to shrink mm-hmm. from that elimination diet. Right. You know, the weight's coming off. I'm starting to feel better. And he's like, you look good. And I'm telling him how bad all this is. And how now this lady out of no, out, I'm like, out of nowhere now she wants me to just get active. Like, I'm like, out of nowhere. It's probably already in her plan, you know? Right. And he says, oh, you should come crabbing with me. Okay. And so he takes me crabbing the next day after that. He was like, meet me at this stop. And I go there and he's got this big seven foot cast net with this ring in it. He's got all these baskets and he starts dropping these baskets and we start catching blue crabs. Now, this is what I'm going to tell you about my family because I think it's important to say this because I grew up from an area in downtown Charleston called Romney Village. Okay. Now, my family grew up on Henrietta Street, which is right outside of Marion Square, which is almost at the corner of King and Calhoun. So you got King Street and Meeting Street and then Calhoun Street on the top. So got it's it. Like the center, so what's the, the significance of, the of this this part of the neighborhood for people um, who aren't from Charleston? Well, because of the Gullah Geechee culture. Okay. Like my family, we're, we're Gullah Geechee and my family what's that grew mean? up. The culture is the West African slaves that inhabited, that built the rice plantations. Like the, my family actually came from the plantation in Georgetown. I actually was able to go back and find that in ancestry and actually find the plantation that they came to from Georgetown. But there is this corridor that runs from like South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and it's protected now. And it's called the Gullah Geechee Heritage Corridor. And my family actually, I can track back that they've lived in that corridor since as long as their records are, which Got means it. that it's probably been longer because they were just yeah. keeping records. Thank you for explaining that for people who aren't familiar with that. The, yeah, the no problem. Um, and so downtown off of Henrietta Street, that's like right outside the heart of the city, outside the market that's in downtown Charleston. Well, my great grandmother and grandfather lived in the house there and my great grandmother had 16, 16 kids. And two of those kids, just my grandmother and her, one of her closest uh, sisters, they had a combined total of 21 kids. Wow. And so that's um, just two of them out of the 16. That's what, 37 kids? <laughs> now, you also got to know I have cousins that had like five kids <laughs> early and before they were 30, you know. That's my a fa- family. Hey, man. So not, now I understand what you mean by my family's big. <laughs> my family is large. I got a big, geeky yeah. family in downtown Charleston, but- Geechee people, we eat crabs all the time, like all the time. I knew how to pick blue crabs. I knew how to cook blue crabs. All this stuff before my cousin, it was a part of my life. But 
I lost it somewhere. I have no idea where. I mean, I wish. I keep going back and wanting to figure out when did I decide to just stop frying fish? When did I, when did I decide to just stop cooking crabs? Because I did it for so many for so long and I knew how to do it. And so he took me there and I just remember that first crab basket. I remember that basket coming up. And it was a big male crab because he was like, that's a Jimmy. That's what he kept saying. That's a Jimmy. <laughs> this big male crab was in there. And I just remember having the emotion of how the hell is there a blue crab in this basket? Like, <laughs> what just happened? What did just I do? Now? No, I was just <laughs> like, no, not even what do I do? Like, I was what like, what did I do? I was just like, like, it was almost like, what do you mean they're in this water? Like, right. what? Like, yeah. how did I not know? Like, right. how did I not? I've been eating crabs my whole life. How did I not know they were in this water? What's wrong with me? Like, it was just like this, what is wrong with me kind of like thing, you know? Then he teaches me how to throw a cast net. We kept, we throw that cast net and start catching bait. He takes the bait. I thought we was using it for crabbing. He takes the bait, puts that on the fishing pole, and then we caught a whiting, which is my mom's favorite fish. I went home, cooked crabs <laughs> and whiting that night. I can't even tell you the last time I did it before then. Last time I did it before then probably was for work or something. Yeah. But but even the last time you did it before then, you didn't catch it. No, I didn't catch it. No yeah. chance that I catch No way. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like when the shrimp came up, I'm like, there's shrimp in this water. It was like, I was asking myself, like, what is wrong with you? How do I not know <laughs> yeah. the stuff that I'm eating that right. I grew up eating was in this water? And so I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And I just remember having this moment feeling like every that's it. Everything I think I know is shit. Like everything you know is wrong. Up is not up. Down is not down. Like you're an idiot. Like I, and see, I have like this thing where I always like beat myself because I'm like, you're stupid. Like, why did you do that? Like, it's like, you know, you expect yourself to know something. But I don't know. It's just for me, I was felt like growing up here, like I felt like I was supposed to know that. Like I, this is something that I was supposed to know. So how did this evolve into I want to open a business? Never. It didn't do that. After we had that experience, I wanted to go crabbing every day. Okay. So I went crabbing almost every day nice. as much as I could. And I would take pictures and post, just post pictures like everybody yeah. else did. On social media. But it's funny is because it wasn't even really about crabs at first. So the pictures, if you go to like my early pictures, they're more of like sunrises or my wagon that I was crabbing with in the with the sunrise in the backdrop or like a little bait fish or something experience. on the dock. It was just me. It was yeah. just me by yeah. myself. You know, it was just my time. So yeah. it was just me sharing this little glimpse of like this little time that I was having. And so one day I was on the dock and my phone went off and I took it out and it was like the most activity I've ever seen on any kind of social media thing I've ever had. And it said, it first one said, uh, Robbie made you an administrator of a page called Casual Crabbing with Tia. One of my fishing buddies, when I was crabbing and posting and all this stuff, he used to tease me and be like, I'm going to create this page. I'm going to make this thing. <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, you're crazy. Like, he was like, watch, I'm going to do this. And so Robbie came up, created a Facebook page called Casual Crabbing with Tia. He sent me the link. And then below where he had done all that stuff, there were already messages because I was out on the dock crabbing. I didn't notice it. So when I picked the phone up the first time, he had made the page where other people had already seen it. So there were like likes and comments and all this stuff. And it was people going, oh, my God, I love this. 
will you take me crabbing? Can I come crabbing? And I was like, nope. <laughs> Who's your friend? The, your cousin? That- no, my boy, Robbie. Robbie Mottinger. You're like, Robbie. damn it, Robbie. I did. <laughs> I was like, Seriously. Like, but at first, it really some of the messages were nice because they, some of them were from people that I knew, but then some of them were from people that I didn't know. But most of them were like, oh, man, can I do this? How can I do this? Where can I do this? Can I bring people? And I was like, I'm not doing none of that. Like, no. And so Robbie creates that page. I tell everybody, no. One of my food and beverage veteran dudes who was a regular, Peter. Peter was like, hey, my brothers are visiting um, from Vermont. Will you take them crabbing? And I was like, no. I was like, Peter. He was like, Tia, please (laughs) take them. Like, it looks so fun. And I was like, I really don't want to do this. But I love Peter. And I was like, okay, Peter, I'll do it. So that is when I got the business license. Because... Robbie and I had been out on the dock several times kind of doing this. And he was, you know, when I first started crabbing. So he was saying, like, people probably pay you to do this. And I was like, whatever, dude. No way. Whatever. Don't. Nobody. Don't. Yeah. No chance. And so, Peter, when I took them out, I was like, I'm going to get the license just in case. Because what if I did want to do something later? I didn't want to get in did, trouble. So you didn't for charge these first people, did you? The, or Peter did and you? his brother? No. I was just, but I didn't want to get. Oh, no, I did it. But it okay. was very, very cheap. And yeah. I didn't. But I didn't want to get in trouble for doing that. So yeah, I got the license. To cover your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really was because yeah. I was like, what if it does one day and I want to do it? And then I start yeah. it out and I get in trouble. Like, that would suck. And so I have this experience where I take his brothers out. I was scared shitless. <laughs> I took him out. Why were you, were you afraid of? Well, I felt like a fraud because oh. what do I know about crap? And this right. is like my first group. Like, I don't really know and what I'm doing. How long have you been doing it up to this point? Now, how much I, how many, I wasn't really doing it as a business, you know, how long yeah, I've been crabbing yourself, by myself. From the first experience to this, this point. Nine months, maybe okay. just going so by you, myself. That's pretty day. good. You, every day. Almost every day. So that's a lot of experience. That's almost like, it's like 300 experience or like I, 200 and something experiences. I put myself on there with the, unless there was bad weather, I was there and I didn't care if I only got two hours of yeah. sleep in between. So this was your 30 minutes there. of exercise. That was it. That yeah. was my way to become physically active. I'm serious. And so that's why I went there because I threw a seven foot cast net for two hours. You Just know? trunk twists. I mean, dude, it was yeah. crazy. I would yeah. be out there. My wife would come out, try to do it. She'd be like, she'd be gone in 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> like she would set up a hammock with every intention to Just hang watch out. Just watch you do it. <laughs> and then she would be gone within like a half an hour. And she'd be like, I have no idea how you are out there. It is so hot outside. That's, that's like, she's like, I'm not doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, so like, and so I took Peter's brothers out. And then after this is done, right? And well, we, we were talking about why I thought it was a fraud. Why I thought it was a fraud is because I didn't know anything. And then these guys show up with their own fishing poles. So I felt like really like it. I was like, okay, the gate, they're going to know now that I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you but know? you're not, you're fishing for, you're, you're you crabbing. You're not using a fishing pole. For, I know. Unless you're catching bait, I guess. But to me, who's just starting to crab, my first guests were people that were seasoned enough oh, to have yeah. their own fishing poles <laughs> yeah, they're to know bring them, them out yeah. To, yeah. to this experience. So I thought, hopefully nothing happens with that pole that he asked me about because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to freaking help him. You know, like I was like really intimidated by that. But we didn't even get to fishing because we had such a good time crabbing. And it was just such a great day for them, I think, as brothers. And I remember just the feedback that they gave me. They were like, this is just such a great day that we had together. Thank you for this. And then I left. And I remember going home with my wife. And I was, she was like, how was that? And I was like, oh, it's all right. You know, like, it was cool. Like, I had a good time. I remember saying something about his brothers. And then we sit down to eat. And then my phone goes off. And Peter has tagged me in a picture. And it is him and his brothers 
around the table with his family and them and they're picking the crabs and stuff that we had caught that oh, day that and i had sense. this well i had this moment of oh <laughs> it was still going on i was like i thought it ended once they left the dock like i had no idea that this thing the was experience still, for them is still going i had no idea that it was still going and so it kind of like just kind of like made it a little thing in my head but didn't think anything of it i still was like nobody's coming i told all these people still continued to tell people no after that yeah. then my friend Becky sends a link through. She sends me a link to the Facebook page that Robbie created. And she said, Tia, I love watching your post. You might want to look at this because Airbnb is going to start this thing in Charleston called Airbnb Experiences. Mm. And so I looked at the link and then I like go home to my wife. I'm like, look at this stuff right here. I'm like, that is wild. I am not doing that. <laughs> I'm serious. And I meant it. Like, I was like, I am not interested. No, ch- I was like, from no, around people from around the world. I was like, I won't let people in Charleston come with me. Why would I let people from around the world come, you know? Right. And so Katie was like, well, what if we just, and I remember just being like, no, no. And I kept saying no. And she was just typing it <laughs> as I'm saying no. And she types it up. And we sat there right after she was done. And she looked at me and she said, all right, all we have to do is hit submit right now. And we laugh now because I said, just do it. Nobody wants to go crabbing with me. That yeah, is a you're wasting quote. your time. That was a <laughs> quote. I was like, Katie, just do it. If it makes you happy, nobody wants to go crabbing with me. Yeah. I was like, no worries. Just send this thing. And I felt confident that it was going to be like she was going to be laughing because nobody's going to sign up for it. You know, Airbnb accepts it the idea within like a week or two. Yeah. And I took my first group out as an Airbnb experience called let's go crabbing in July of 2018 and November 2018 towards the end of the month, um, Airbnb was flying me to San Francisco and they told me I was one of the top four exceptional hosts in their market. Wow. I didn't know anything about Airbnb. Like when I tell you, I don't know anything about Airbnb. I'd never stayed in one. And I'd never taken an experience. And then when I got there, it was me and three other people from around the world. And I was the United States representative. Wow. I was like, tell me about it. Right. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, oh, like the Thank more you, it goes on. I'm like, oh, <laughs> but still I was, I felt like, I felt like why I did. I felt like I'm not supposed to be here. Mm. I did because I'm still managing my bar. I remember going to the bar owner being like, I need a week off, you know, <laughs> like here's this crazy thing. Like I'm still working. But I mean, that's an element of the story that I wasn't even expecting to get that if you do have a passion and it is unique and local to where you live and you're good at it and, or you have a, like whatever the, the elements you need, there's a, a resource in Airbnb. Oh my God. That can help get the word out to market and promote your business and what you're doing. Let me tell you something that platform changed my life. The good economy, man. I'm telling you right now, like what it does, what that experience platform does is it allows anybody that has any kind of passion to really try it out. Mm-hmm. If they accept it, if they accept it on that platform, they support you. You have insurance. They handle your bookings. They handle all the money. I was able to start this business while I was behind the bar with my cell phone yeah. because of Airbnb experiences. So this is another element too. Don't expect to go full in 100% on day one. It's going to be probably no. some of that swings. Like you had, a, you had a full-time job. This is your side hustle. And over time, the side hustle becomes you know your 50% job 
right? And then it's yeah. your 75% and then you're full time on it. It's like any other business. Yeah. It does not, it's not, you, you're going to leave one to just go start another. You need to, any other business, it takes time to set up, yeah. you know? Like so just it start take, though, right? And let and, Absolutely. Yeah. But think about that though. Like the, all of the responsibility are all of like the real risk I felt like was gone. Yeah. It really was. And so I would be behind the bar and I'd be bartending and somebody would book. I'd be like, oh, let me get that drink. Yep. I got four people tomorrow at this time on. And it would be like my day off. So that's the thing is I'm managing this bar. I'm working, right? I'm bartending on my days off. That's the only time. The only time I can book to take people crabbing is when I'm not behind the bar. Right. Normally, that is the time that I'm resting. How long did it take to go from uh, part time, like once a day, once a week when you have time off to this is your full time job? Um, where you can afford to have publicists and promote the, you know, like. <laughs> well, 2019, 2019 is when I decided to leave the bar. And that is when I was creating enough business that I felt like I could sustain you, yeah. for me and for my partner art. And if you went full time. Like maybe like what, what whatever you're missing, if you went full time, you can make up the difference maybe. Yeah. But I mean, really, I didn't think about the money at that point. It wasn't, I'm telling you like a lot of this and that's back to my joy over money. Yeah. I worked for money for all the time, you know, from 17 up until 37, I worked for money and from 37 to 43, I started working for joy because yeah. I don't, I didn't think about that at first. What I thought about when I said, I'm going to get this business is I thought, Damn, I took that to this level by giving it this much of me because I was only giving it two days a week, maybe sometime three days a week. And it was getting pulled in and getting all this attention and it was doing that well. And I thought, I do so much for other people and I give all of myself for other people. What if I gave all of myself for this? Mm. And I'm telling you, I it all went back to... After I came back from San Francisco, everybody, almost everybody I ran into was like, because there were articles written San as Francisco soon as I got was back. was the, the Airbnb event. That was the Airbnb event. Yeah. And when I came back from that, there was an article. There was two of them out. But one of them said, South Carolina woman chosen as one of the top four in the world. Hmm. And everybody off of that, people were just like, oh my God, I bet you're going to quit your job. I'm like, I am not quitting my job. Like, <laughs> yeah. y'all are crazy. This is a fluke. This I was, I, I absolutely. <laughs> like, you people are crazy. Like, I'm not quitting my job. And then, I, but then I kept like going in the bar working, going in the, going to the water in the morning with my cast net, going to the bar at night, going in the water. And then one day I pulled up to the back of that bar. I turned that truck off. And I sat there for a minute and my eyes started welling up and I was like back to myself again. And yeah. I was like, you are an idiot. I was like, yeah. you drove yourself here. You keep putting yourself in the situation. You wanting something different. And I just like was really upset with myself. And I think it was because of having too much, having a good time on the water and then having this at the bar because I got home and told my wife about that. And she was like, you should quit. She was mm -hmm. like, you should take a chance and you should quit. Yourself, yeah. And so I did. And I quit in 2019. Art and I, you know, my good buddy Art was helping me, <laughs> Art Perry, when I was doing this and I was behind the bar. I'd be like, shit, I got seven people the next day. What am I going to do? And it's like it started getting busy, you know, like I'm still like I'm just going to take one family, two families. Then it's getting busy and I got a mix of two families, a total of seven people with me on the dock hosting this group, not really knowing what I'm doing. And so I was nervous and like. 
I wouldn't feel a lot of support from some of the people that I expected to have support from some of my friends, you know, like I wasn't really feeling that and art and I weren't that close to friends at the time. But when I would get on that, if I, if I, if I expressed that to him, when I got on that dock, there would be a message that would be like, you got this, just be yourself. Like you got this, like whatever. And it would just be supportive, you know? And so art actually, when Airbnb flew me to San Francisco, he called me when I was on my first Airbnb experience where a guy was taking me crabbing. We'll talk about that later. But <laughs> I'm doing that, and Art calls me, and he's like, hey, hey, I know you're busy. I just need a few seconds, but I want to let you know. I just put my notice in. I'm going to quit my job. I was like, no, no. I was like, please do not quit your job. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, Tia, I'm like, you got this. Like, I believe in this. And I was like, Art, do not quit your job. And he was like, too late. They exited. They just walked me out. And this is a great place to <laughs> take our checking. second break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to talk about how you guys took it to the next level. This episode is brought to you by One Huddle. One Huddle is a coaching and development platform using quick burst mobile games to more quickly and effectively level up and fire up your workforce. One Huddle provides a mobile first approach to preparing the modern worker, a library of 3000 plus quick burst skill games and the option to instantly create personalized content. One Huddle is changing the way restaurants develop their workers by transforming the traditional manuals in videos into deceptively simple, highly effective mobile games proven to level up workers quickly. Let's get into some of the facts. So with one huddle, you can onboard employees 45% faster than traditional methods. And there's actually a study done by the University of South Florida that has proven you can train your employees 45% faster using games on one huddle versus traditional micro learning and video based learning. This new and improved way to educate your staff will translate into increased sales because you're creating more consistency with the guest experience, both front and back of house, i.e. menu development, menu memorizing, POS, limited time offers, food costing, things like this. You're looking at a more engaged worker too, because they're in competition with themselves and the entire organization. This stuff is powerful right now. Head to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash one, like the number one in huddle, like a football huddle. And if you use that link, you can get 90 days access to one huddles game shop, which includes 3000 plus on demand skill games on everything from bartending to serve safe to the latest Amazon bestselling books and so much more. Again, that's restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. And you have to use that link. This is a cost per acquisition agreement, meaning we get paid per lead that goes through that link. So if you are finding value in this podcast and you want to support, please use this link. And it's, it's a testament to how much we believe in one huddle that we're willing to do this. So thank you in advance. This episode is brought to you by Ovation. Creating a great guest experience is the goal of every restaurant every time. But the ways to find out what's actually happening with the guests are terrible. Long surveys are annoying. Nobody likes to take them. Table touches aren't scalable. And every negative review costs you 30 new customers. Ouch. That's where Ovation steps in. Ovation gets happy guests to leave positive reviews, unhappy guests to share what happened, and it gives you specific ideas to improve. 
Using a simple two-question survey, guests either click a text message they get after placing an order or scan a QR code to easily answer, how was your experience? Happy guests leave five-star reviews and can be invited back with automated text marketing. And unhappy guests share privately what went wrong so you can resolve your concerns in real time. Then the magic happens. Ovation takes all the public reviews and all the Ovation private feedback and analyzes them in a single simple view so you can know exactly what to fix and where. It's frictionless for your guests, easy for your managers, and powerful for you. If you're interested in actionable guest feedback, visit OvationUp.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable listeners get $100 off their setup fee. What are you waiting for? That's OvationUp.com slash unstoppable. We're back and we left off your, your, I don't know, your uh, crab and buddy says, Art, Art says, let's, I'm going to quit my job. And you say, no, no, no. That's where yeah, you were. I'm, I was Take begging him. I was yeah. begging him not to because here's this thing, right? And I'm like trying to create this world for me to live in the pressure of having another person quit their job. And then now I have to, I'd like, this cannot fail. Yeah. Welcome to ownership. (laughs) Yeah. This cannot fail. Like you and your family have to eat now because of this, like everything that you're, you're, you know, you're basing everything on this. And so I didn't want that pressure at that time, but it also felt good because he saw something that I didn't see, you know, and he's always seen it and he always keeps telling me, and I don't because I just never believe the hype. You know, I really don't. Um, but in 2019, when um, I quit, it was because Art quit six months before I quit my job. He quit his job to help me follow my dream. You know, like that was a big deal for me. And, I, you know, some other people that I was expecting that kind of support from, I wasn't getting. So it was like out of nowhere. And then when it became time to really grow the business, it became a no brainer that it was going to be him. So he is now the co-host of casual crabbing uh with tia it is either me or it's art that is leaving the session got it and he's the person that i feel he is he is that is that job was made for him so if somebody's yeah if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking to themselves i have a passion for fill in the blank some type of going out into mother nature and pulling from the bounty whether that be foraging or fishing for crabs or any any type of experience you could offer somebody right Mm -hmm what's your advice for that person just to create what you've created for yourself? Where would you start knowing what you know now and somebody wants to get to where you are? What would you tell them? Um, one thing I would tell them to check out the Airbnb experience platform. Like yeah. that's no joke. Like, I mean, you know, whoever's listening to this Airbnb is not fucking paying me to say this. Like yeah. that was a very helpful tool in me for me when I was taking this chance, yeah. like the risk, it takes a lot of the risk out. I felt empowered by that platform and just by them saying, we want to help and support you try this idea. I told them about an idea and they create a world for you to, to share that with people, you know, like, and at first I thought, okay, now I need to start marketing this thing. I need to start doing this thing. But then I didn't even understand how it worked. I didn't understand that people take your experience. They leave an Airbnb, ask them for reviews. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't understand that, that that is how that worked. And I, 
used to go out, I never even mentioned the word reviews because I didn't know that that's how that worked. Yeah. Well, when I got to San Francisco, Airbnb flew us out there. We were there for a week. It was based off the reviews, wasn't it? No, it was like, but they wanted, they had meetings for us. And Uh. one of the meetings was a guy asking me about my reviews because my reviews were very long. Like they were like really novels that people were writing early on in Airbnb. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know Scott from Minnesota. Like I just took that guy crabbing and they were like, how did you get this guy to leave this review? That's almost industry that, and that's what they're, they were really yeah. saying. Like, how did you get these reviews? Cause we tell us so we can tell, help other hosts to be successful. And I was like, Hey man, I've never even said reviews to people. Like I have no idea. Like I did not know that that's what was happening. Like that was me in San Francisco responding to them, like in their headquarters. I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't answer that question. So, I mean, knowing what you know about the experience you're delivering, what would you assume is the reason why you're getting these reviews? Well, because of the environment, I create this environment that people don't realize that they need and that they want. Like you put your phone down, we're next to the water. We are crabbing, we're throwing a cast net. You have almost, you have all four of the senses hitting on the dock. And then I even clean the crabs and you take them away and you go to a restaurant and they cook them for you. So then the fifth sense is right there. So you've got all five senses like exploding at the same time. You can't control that. So what's your advice for recreating that in different verticals of going out uh, and creating these these food experiences? It's your joy. Mm. It's your joy. That's how I create that. That's how I get that from people. It's because I go crabbing every day. Yeah. I am thrilled every time a crab comes out of the basket, out of out of the water. And this is where it gets a little personal. We ask like like personal questions yeah. around like finance and stuff. But like how do you know where to start charging people? You don't. You absolutely don't. And when you first start, you're probably going to undercharge them because nobody thinks we all start trying to spend other people's money. So have you have your rates gone up over time? Absolutely. And it's because it's based off of, you know, one, what it costs for me to have that experience and to have a crew now to yeah. do it. Um, but also what it means to me. Like, you know, like we're I'm giving people life lessons yeah. where they'll never go hungry again. Also supply and demand. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that too. <laughs> yeah. Also supply and demand. Yeah. Yes. If, if you're um, booking out, yeah, it's start very charging budget. much and until people stop booking and then and bring then, it back. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, good and thing for us. We don't be afraid to, to recognize your value though. You know, like well, get what you need to, to take care of yourself. It's been hard. Better. It's yeah. been hard and having a few mentors and people to ask questions and stuff too. But one of the things I learned with like pricing and costs is like, we always try to spend other people's money. Yeah. Don't well, what do you spend mean by that? like you're basing the cost off of what you would spend. Like, you know, like at first I was like, okay, 60 bucks because maybe this person won't be able to buy it or this person won't be able this or maybe this and that. Well, you have to run whatever the cost is for the experience. You can't just like a go restaurant. It, just like anything else. It has to, to be what it is to cover the expense, including the labor that it is for that person. And I'm, if that number gets to be at an uncomfortable thing, which I have felt a few times, it's been helpful to have other people tell me, you know, you can't spend other people's money for them. And so it, how much is a, sorry, did I cut you short? No, you're good. How much does uh, crabbing with tea experience cost today? Right now, it's one hundred dollars a person. Oh, hundred. And where, mm-hmm. where was it it's, when you started? Uh, Sixty bucks. Okay, so you almost doubled. You know. Yeah, but that's quarter. over. That's almost five years. Yeah, man. <laughs> almost five years yeah. where it was sixty bucks when it was just and me. That, is that per person? 
Yes. And how many people can you take out at a time? Uh, 12 at a time. But we Damn, do, Tia. But that, <laughs> 12 at a time. Uh, we're doing three time slots a day now. We're starting Damn. this season. So and, $3,600 uh, a day. Well, I mean, hopefully. I mean, I've just started that. I mean, yeah, I'm not, that is not what's awesome, happening though. now. But um, that is uh, what the season, that is where we are. But it's also like, you know, when I was 60, it was just me. Like, yeah. I have a crew of eight, about to be 10 now. You know, like, that's nuts. Like, those are, it's a lot of mouths to feed, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but you're, you're proving that there's good money to be made in this, doing something you love more oh importantly. And there's so many people out there in the restaurant industry who are drawn to food experiences because food is our passion. And on our days off when we're not selling the food and slinging the food, we're thrusting ourselves into nature and doing the things we love. And that can become our career. And I think it's so important to offer this perspective and to get people to think outside of the box and to do things that fill their cup you know, and to benefit and to profit from that. There's no shame in that at all. Dude, not at all. And I'm telling you, like, whatever, like in my head, I thought bar, that's it. Mm -hmm. I had, I thought it was time for me to open my own bar. I went and had plans for those bars made up. Six months later, I went crabbing for the first time. Nice. And how, like, literally, how hard is it to get on to this Airbnb experience? Maybe it's changed over the past. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's changed. And when I, when I was first on, um, you know, they wanted it to really be unique. So it's not just saturated with like the same thing. Like supposedly if there was something that you could come to get in town, yeah. then it wouldn't have been offered on the experience platform. So yep. if you have a big fishing town, then they're probably not going to offer fishing or something. Mm-hmm. There It's supposed to be unique things. And that's why crabbing stood out because nobody was crabbing. Nobody it doesn't have to doing... be food. I mean, I think a lot of no. people in the restaurant industry are passionate about getting out and just being outside. I think there's a lot of active people in this industry. It's our personalities. Like it's our personalities in the way that you react with people being in the restaurant business. I have a friend right now, Peter, he started one where it is like, I think it's called the cocktail concierge. Like Peter has served drinks for a long time. He's a great bartender, flair bartender, awesome personality. He started an experience where he meets groups and he takes groups around to his favorite bars and stuff in town. It can be out of the box. That's a business. Exactly. And the experience could be, maybe you have a passion of cooking one thing. Yes. Right. And you want to share that you want to teach people how to do that one thing. Right. You don't have to open a restaurant. You can literally teach people how to do that one thing. One thing. Yeah. Think outside of the box. (laughs) Challenge the traditional business model of restaurants. Here's the other thing. We're weirdos, right? There are other weirdos out there that like the things that you like. Like, I promise there is a tribe for almost everything out there. There are like-minded people that will like it, but they don't know it because they wait for the first person to go (laughs) out and do it. And And then they're like, oh, man. Right. And Airbnb is casting a huge net for you. You know, oh my and, God. and weirdos all over the world, <laughs> all your weirdos I know. can find you and, yeah. and come to you yeah. and you can, you can share this weirdo experience with them. Absolutely. Right? Um, so w- one thing I do like to talk about here at Restaurant Stop, unless there's any other advice, I don't want to cut you short. What else do we need to know about this type of business? Um, what other business? Um, be vulnerable in that. Just know that you're going to fail. Like expect to fail. <laughs> like yeah. you just expect to fail. And How if- did you fail? How did I fail? Did you fail? At yeah, a few times I did. Um, uh, twenty twenty, everybody failed, right? Right. Twenty twenty. Right. Well, for me, put every all of these eggs in this basket. My twenty nineteen is when I quit. 
and still was kind of tiptoeing into it. 2020 was, this is my year. Like in my my off season, I did all this work. (laughs) Like I was so ready. Like you're bringing back emotional. I'm sorry. Take it. Me too. 2020, I moved to Austin, Texas, January 1st. And I remember thinking that to myself, the whole drive from New Hampshire to Austin on the first this is going to be my This is year. it, dude. How many of us said that to ourselves? <laughs> new decade, so new life. Bad. I know. <laughs> but I mean, like, this is how bad. This is how ours was. We yeah. got six weeks off in between sessions. So it was like March 9th or something yeah. like that. And Art and I are, like, putting in all this freaking work. And we are about to get this next season open. We got the season started and COVID hit and it shut us now two days into the season. Two days. That was back to really, bars. Well, you can even do that. No, there was no back to bars. Yeah. There was no back to nothing. And then I was like, what am I going to do? It's me and art, right? Yeah. Small business. I think we got a PPP loan that helped. Um, but then Airbnb shut down their platform. And I realized that was, your, I'm that not actually, yeah. no, I realized that I wasn't actually in control. Oh, when they shut down because my business is outside land based huge outdoor spread right well i can actually provide a space for people to go outside and do things yeah but i don't have a way for them to book me yep. because airbnb shut down. that was your whole platform that was it and yeah. so that caused me to build out my own platform and so i built my own platform and now we have casual crabbing with Tia.com. This is a huge lesson. I'm, I'm happy we kept pushing. Uh, so what is your platform? Just do your website. The, my website, casual crabbing with Tia.com. So now instead of just all of my bookings coming through Airbnb, they now come through Airbnb and casual crabbing yeah. with Tia. But because I was in business when they weren't, when they had shut down, I was still carrying on. I started getting a following on my website. So now yeah. I am easily more bookings come through casual crabbing than so, they do through Airbnb. So when you were just Airbnb or even now that you're still using Airbnb, do you get any of that, that, that data, the contact information from your guests, or do you just see that there's a reservation, a name, or do you, can you, can you get like an email from that person? Phone number? Uh, you can person? once they book. So people can't just reach out to you on Airbnb's platform and then you kind of share phone numbers and stuff. Yeah. Um, but once they actually have a confirmed booking, then you can share information. And I share, I, when those guests get on the dock, they get all of my information. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the lesson here is that you need to own your list. You need to have your own mm-hmm. platform. You can't rely on, you can't put all of your eggs into the Facebook basket or the mm-hmm. Instagram basket or the TikTok basket or the Airbnb basket. Because mm-hmm. if something happens with one of those platforms, there goes your list. There, there it goes. There yeah, goes everything. It's gone. There goes everything. Yeah, so there goes build everything. your own platform. That, that was, and that was the... That is the one thing that I had to overcome because it was really hard for me there. And I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm just kind of coming back from that almost like financially because it hit me so bad that like almost everything we did was kind of just coming back from it, you know, and it just takes a little bit of time to level out. But also with that, the growth, because you were asking me, I had to hire a publicist last July. Um, because good, it kind of problems, it, I guess it is. Yeah. But at the point in time I was very busy and I was thinking it just got to a point to where I was like, I should not be answering my, my, this phone call. Like, right. you know, we're now dealing with like sponsorships We're sponsored by hook fishing and sunglasses and cast nets and stuff. So it's nice. like, 
I you're wearing a hook fishing shirt now. I no? am. I didn't. I you know. I <laughs> am not wearing a shirt <laughs> because I am not on the water. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is the only reason yeah. why. But if you go to my website, almost every shirt you see is hooked because if I'm on the water, that's what I'm rocking. So there's some more lessons here. It doesn't just stop at the transaction with the ex- the person you're providing the experience for, but now you have an audience of specific people who are interested in a specific thing, right? So now you can start approaching people who also want access to that audience. Yes. And that's what I do with my podcast. I have an audience of restaurant owners and operators and aspiring restaurant owners and operators. And we have a mission. We're trying to create an experience like in like, I can now use this platform to, you know, find other ways to monetize, you know? So yes. like, and there's no shame in doing that, especially if it's, a, if it's a good message, I feel like. No, yeah. absolutely. And so that leads me into one of my other messages, Please. right? So I was thinking to myself, here I am now, I have this crabbing business. Well, I thought this in the beginning, but I thought if I do this crab business, so I remember saying early on, why would I let people, why would I take people crabbing and just let them come take stuff out of the water? in my hometown. That's one of the, but that was also thinking like that was my negative thinking of Katie and everybody being like, Oh my gosh, why don't you give it a try? And I'm like, no, why would I let these people do this? Why would I do this? Like that was just my mentality, you know, not thinking that these people could actually be helping. And so everyone that is 16 and up that comes to come in and come and take our experience, they purchase a saltwater fishing license. That money goes to our department of natural resources and a program called the score program, which is the South Carolina oyster recycling and enhancement program where they collect recycled oyster shells throughout the community. We volunteer with them, host monthly volunteer events where people from the community can come. We build artificial oyster reefs. They call MWRs, manufactured wire reefs, and we place them along the shoreline and we're doing shoreline restoration. So by pulling the oysters out of the water, are you messing with the cycle? No, where people have oysters and they eat them, like restaurants, yeah. people for their oyster roasts, the trash, when they are done shucking oysters, yeah. that's what we want. Yes. We take that and we put that back in the water. That's in the point the I reefs. was trying to make. So you don't yes. realize it when you're going fishing for oysters. Traditionally, nature, if the, like you would be op- you'd be getting those, those oysters, probably opening them right there. You think mm-hmm. about birds and animals. Mm-hmm. And you throw and put it back the shells in the right back in the water. So that's a cycle that we we kind of fucked up. You well, know, when we pull the oysters out and it goes into the landfill, it's not going back to where it should be. That's right. So you need to get it kind of back in the water in a structured way. Now, oysters in every estuary is different. In our estuary, oysters are the keystone species here. So we need oysters for all other life to reside here. Yeah. So that is why we are working hard to put it back in the water. And oysters are just a free-floating free larva called spat. And they need something to land on. And they actually search out that calcium that's in those shells. Okay. And they land on it. And in Charleston, in South Carolina, we have cluster oysters. So they start growing and clustering. They actually filter our water because one male oyster filters 50 gallons of water a day. Holy cow. So just one. So you think about these cages. We have 30 MWRs just at the location where we crab every day, which has thousands of shells in each one. Yeah. I mean, um, but it's filtering water. It's habitat forming. And it protects the grass line from erosion. And so just by people taking our experience, before they even show up, they're helping us to put life back in the water. Because they have to get a license to do it legally. They have to get the license in order to do it You're making another really good point. A lot of people don't like hunting and fishing. Like how dare you murder animals and fish or whatever. The the licensing that pays for like the people who pay for their licenses to do this 
are supporting that species, the species, species that's yeah, exactly. and other species. Uh, what's well. the word I'm looking for? I had it in the back of my mind. I lost it. Um, just uh, sustainability, like, like supporting the ecosystem. Absolutely. The hunters and fishers are supporting and making it possible for these species to, to continue to thrive. Yeah. Not everybody's just um, killing stuff. For fun. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I have a strong, I don't kill anything unless it's for nourishment. If I'm eating it, like that's like, like that's when it's going to die. By the hunters and not. fishers that kill those animals are doing more to support those animals than anybody else. And yes, people don't absolutely. Realize that. Absolutely. It's like, come on, like open your eyes. Don't be just emotional. Like people, well, you have to about. educate yourself. A lot of people yeah. aren't educated exactly. on it and they only repeat things that they hear and don't actually yeah. know the facts. Yeah. Um, like, DNR, you know, like yeah. anytime anybody hears conservation DNR, was the word I was looking for. Like, yeah, like hunters and fishers support. They do more for conservation than any animal activists out there. Absolutely. I agree. A 100%. thousand times more. Yeah. Because they fund the resources to keep it going. Absolutely. And the people need to be aware of that. Yeah. Um, sorry if I cut you off. No, you're good. That, that but that's the head. stuff that gets me excited. <laughs> me too. So, you know, like, so I, I went crabbing right now. I'm trying to catch every crab. I'm catching crabs fish feeding my family off that shrimp i just bought a, bought a compound bow doing some firearms training like i'm interested nice. i literally want to try to catch and prepare as much of my food as i can because i had no idea that i needed that in my life like not that i wanted that like i needed that after i had it i was like what is this like and then i realized for years i've been eating don't know nothing about what i'm eating just eat because i eat now I'm trying to know exactly what I'm putting. In. <laughs> yeah. I know where that came from. I know what Especially I put in that. Especially venison and elk what... and like like that meat is the most <clears throat> lean, healthy stuff you can eat. That protein is so good for you. Well, I have a lot of really knowledgeable friends yeah. that are being very gracious and sharing a lot of tips and helping me um, get my feet in the yeah. door with that. So. so traditionally, Restaurant Unstoppable transitions into what can we do to you know move into the future better. Right. And I think we kind of just touched on that mm-hmm. as just, so, but do you want to round off that thought of like, if you could like, like leave us with one message um, and like how we can transform the industry and move into the future just more holistically. Yeah. If you find ways that you really honestly think that you can improve it. Like I think, and even from experiences for me, I am 43 and caught my first crab at 37. I don't want another person to live in Charleston and be surrounded by the beautiful water there and not have a relationship with it. So I'm not even going to work even harder now to try to start working with youth and women and other people and help them get to the water, you know? And I feel like for me, that right there, that just that sharing of that little knowledge, it could be something that small. I got take me to the water running through you my head. Take, take me <laughs> to the water. <laughs> Drop me in. Sorry, I keep going. You gonna, right. I mean, we can get the band started <laughs> yeah. in here if you want. I didn't think that's the kind of show we was having. I got but. a little shy. I got a little shy. <laughs> um, I've really enjoyed today's conversation. Yeah, today. I have too. Thank, Thank you, you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to accommodate us, to share your story, uh, to inspire us, to empower us with your knowledge, uh, and to make us all just a little bit better after listening to you. I think we're definitely transforming the industry right now. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, before That's we, right. before we say goodbye, I wrap up every interview by calling somebody out. Who do you respect and admire? Who do I respect and in, admire in the industries? Um, it doesn't have to be a restaurant owner. Clearly we proved that like, you know, there's this, the food and beverage is bigger than restaurants. Uh, but who do you respect and admire? And if they were a guest on the show, um, they would absolutely provide value as a mentor. Um, my good friend, Carrie Mori okay. that owns Catley's hot little biscuits. Okay, I Maury. think she is probably for me, um, probably one of the strongest female business owners that, um, for me and just, um, 
having her as a friend and being able to she's just a very authentic person and i don't really know how to say that until you meet Kim. Yeah. you know what i mean That's like carrie mori carrie mori and what's the name of her business uh, callie's hot little biscuit callie's hot little biscuit yeah she is one of the most authentic people and honestly i think a boss a boss ass <laughs> like a boss ass business owner like i just have so much respect for her as um just as a woman, as a mom, and as a business owner. Beautiful. Look out, Carrie. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> and uh, what if we want to experience a, a crabbing experience? Like, yeah, we'll, we'll come have a see me. Experience. Casual Crabbing with Tia.com, uh, the Casual Crabber, or you can follow Casual Crabbing with Tia on Instagram or on TikTok. Come see us. Tia Clark, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Tia Clark coming out of left field or right field, whatever the expression is. I was not expecting this interview in Charleston. Uh, Such an unstandard guest. And it just goes to show that you really need to approach this industry with an open mind and that there is abundance around food and beverage and business opportunities. And uh, as somebody who has spent their entire career, the majority of their career in restaurants to be able to take the lessons around hospitality and service and apply them adjacent to the food industry around events and experiences, uh, doing something local to your community, events that people might have interest in if they're visiting. I think this is just a really cool way to think outside the box when it comes to how you can spin a, a business out of your passion. Uh, maybe you're into foraging. Maybe you're into other coastal type fishery things similar to what Tia is doing. Like maybe there's an opportunity here for you and I hope that we helped you see it today. So, you know, don't, Think traditionally. I think that's one of the big things you can take away from today's show. Uh, and uh, just the positivity that came from Tia, too. It was such a great, great conversation. Thank you so much, Tia. If you're finding value in this podcast and you want more episodes just like it, please support the show. We are committed to 100% on-site, in-person interviews. And as we evolve, as we go into the future, we really want to just spend our, you know, take our time on the road and let the show steer itself. Let the story be written on its own. Just listen and, and follow the leads. But that's an expensive way to do things. So please support our sponsors. Use our affiliate links. Share this podcast with everybody and anyone you know aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable for shorter versions of everything we're doing. And what else? What haven't I said? Leave a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Those go so far. They help us with our ranking, and I love the, the feedback. And then I can't say goodbye without saying thank you to Sam Hall for the videography and social media, and thank you to Jared Parisi for the copyright and editing. It takes an army. I'm grateful for mine. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>